Welcome in once again to the Talking Tide podcast. I am Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, the senior analyst there, and the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports at 102.9 FM in Tuscaloosa. With you on the Talking Tide podcast, we'll be talking about Alabama's win over the Citadel. You can catch Talking Tide at our web host at Podbean.com, as well various apps including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And Travis, Alabama uh, defeats the Citadel 50-17 to at Bryant-Denny Stadium, 11 a.m. kickoff against another one of these triple option teams. And uh, to the surprise and chagrin of the vast majority of fans in uh, BDS, Travis, Alabama, just a 10-10 tie uh, with the Citadel at the half. Uh, they pull things together in the second half and kind of run away with it there. But all the triple option fears kind of came true, uh, at least for two quarters. Yeah, you know, watching the Citadel put together a 35-yard drive that took 12 plays and seven minutes plus off the first quarter clock, uh, you knew it had to be driving Nick Saban crazy. And it kind of set the tone for what was to come the rest of that half. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that in my life. And and I'm a longtime enthusiast of the triple option offense. But 12 plays, 35 yards – Seven-plus minutes, didn't score a touchdown, but effectively rendered uh, that Alabama offense in some ways uh, helpless there in the first quarter. Alabama ran 21 plays in the first half on Saturday, Chase. Uh, And I want to say, what, 49 for the game? I mean, that's about as low as it gets for Alabama offensively, uh, but you have to give a lot of credit. Uh, to the Citadel offense, not only scored some points in the game, but, you know, especially in that opening half, just dominated time of possession and certainly made for a frustrated Nick Saban, I'm guessing, during that halftime uh, address to the team. I was checking to see if it was Bob Withrow on the sideline over there at the <laughs> Citadel. That uh, That's an inside joke for our uh, segment of listeners from Jacksonville, Florida, uh, an old high school coach there who, who knew the three yards in a cloud of dust game like few others. Uh, and and uh, ran wing T, but uh, yeah, no. Alabama's second drive of the game didn't begin until the second quarter. Uh, so so what does that tell you? Uh, and the yeah. first the first thing out of Saban's mouth when he came off at the half was, well, they're sh- they're shrinking the game on us, and if you waste a couple of offensive chances in a game in which the other team is shrinking it on you uh, with a uh, with a steady inside running game like that. Um, it, it's uh, that's how you end up 10-10 at the half. Uh, nevertheless, Alabama kind of pulls away with, not kind of, in a big way, pulls away with it. Uh, they end up with, uh, I guess, another non-offensive touchdown to help kind of break things loose. Uh, the Alabama running game, obviously finishing strong, averaging uh, like eight-plus yards a carry for the game. And, and perhaps the, the most – uh, the biggest subplot of the game, I, I suppose, uh, to a tongue of Loa's health and how would he look coming off of uh, the Mississippi State game in which he was clearly hobbled after three quarters. Uh, he looked I, – I didn't think he looked 100%, but I thought he looked pretty darn close to it, Travis, and, and certainly a heck of a lot better than he looked at the end of that game against the Bulldogs. Well, I think mentally is is the big thing with him right now, and – uh, he, he seemed fine with where he was at, fine enough not to wear the brace that we had seen uh, pretty much as a staple 
of of his gear since that uh, that Arkansas game uh, back in October. So uh, he was feeling good about it, and it showed. I mean, he had 37 rushing yards on just four carries, uh, a couple scrambles that I'm sure had Alabama fans holding their breath, especially to do it as early in the game as he did. But they had to do it. You know, they found themselves in a couple of third and longs on that only possession of the first quarter. And if they don't convert those, one of those with a great uh, skinny post to Jalen Waddell uh, before Jaylen, uh, before Tua ran for, I think it was 16 yards on the second one, uh, they're looking at about a four or five snap first quarter if they don't convert those two third and longs on that opening drive of the game because, as you said, possessions were precious, especially in the second quarter after they went three and out, and then Jerry Judy fumbles uh, at the end of a reception. So uh, they just didn't have many opportunities. You look at the rushing yardage for the first half, 65 yards, and you think, wow, that's low. Well, they only ran it nine times. You know, they only had 21 snaps. So uh, yeah, third quarter, those opportunities became more abundant. You said it. Anthony Jennings provides the non-offensive touchdown. They semi-get the triple option figured out, although I think it was really only about one side of the Alabama defense that seemed to be plugged in on it. The left side of the Alabama uh, defense doesn't want to see Dante Smith of the, the Citadel ever again, I don't think. He had 130 yards on nine carries. Yeah, and, and you know, I think injury-wise, well, final thought on, on Tua's health. One thing I did notice about it is, is is when he did tuck and go, there were a couple runs where he stuck his foot in the ground and tried to make somebody yeah. miss in the open field. And what that tells me is that he's confident in the knee, that, that it's not a mental issue for him, uh, which like, is as big as anything. Uh Oh, no, no doubt about it. I, I thought there was one run in particular. I think he only got six yards, but, I mean, he made a hard cut on that right knee. Yeah, if you don't and feel so, good about your knee, no, you're sliding. He wasn't out there sliding. You start chopping, you know, coming to a stop or, or something like that. And uh, that, that wasn't Tua on Saturday. You're right. I agree. Uh, he, he seemed like he was he was in a really good place in his own mind about it, even if millions of others uh, around the country apparently weren't. Injury-wise, elsewhere for Alabama, a couple of minor dings. Alex Leatherwood with an ankle twist. Damian Harris with a mild concussion. That came in the second half. He got run down from behind uh, on a clean play, but but uh, hit the turf pretty hard. Deontay Thompson with a knee bruise. Doesn't sound like any of this is going to be a significant issue going forward. Obviously, though, Travis, you never know with a concussion. Uh, I'm sure Harris went into the protocol, and, and sometimes you don't come out of that as as, uh, as fast as uh, you think. But uh, nevertheless, I think Alabama – I think Saban probably had to be pleased overall with the way they got out of there health-wise. Pretty good. You know, for, for again, an option team that's going to cut you, and we talked about this, I wrote about it uh, a ton last week. Uh, you, you got what you knew was coming. You saw Quinn and Williams go down early in the game with what looked to be sort of a cheap shot, late yeah, hit from yeah. a Citadel <laughs> offensive lineman uh, who, who wanted to get that guy would have had an iPhone yeah. on him. He would have taken a selfie right there, you know, with, yeah. Qu- with Quinnen in the background. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But it, it was uh, it was one of those games. And Deontay Thompson, you know, that's kind of what he went out on uh, there early in the fourth quarter. A pulling lineman comes around and, and, and cuts him. It looks like outside that five-yard box that we talked about right. last week. Uh, but it goes unflagged. And so, 
yeah, you just wanted to get out of that game, especially on defense and especially kind of right up the middle of your defense when you talk about your your down linemen, your inside linebackers, and your safeties uh, w- without without guys you know dealing with, with some lower extremity issues. And I think they did for the most part. I think Damian Harris, obviously, as you outlined, the biggest concern, because anytime you bring up the C word, you are definitely going to have to go through the protocol process and whereas there is talent there, we saw Najee Harris do some good things uh, on Saturday. You still trust Damian Harris in the type of games that are coming up. Not so much just in terms of as a ball carrier, but pass protection and, and knowing what to do, when to do it, um, and the experience he has in those situations. That's why you really would like to see Damian Harris back as quickly as possible. Jalen Hurts makes a return from injury. Travis got to play a little bit. Uh, uh, probably surprised a lot of people. Surprised me, certainly. I sur- I didn't think uh, there was much of a chance that, that we would see him from what you hear in practice during the week. He was uh, you know, still kind of ginger. So uh, he comes in, completes uh, three passes, including a touchdown throw, uh, and uh, got a, a pretty pretty warm ovation, I thought, from the crowd as well. He did, and you wonder, right, is, is, if that might be the last time you see Jalen Hurts make a contribution on the field as a player for Alabama with Auburn coming up uh, on Saturday at Bryant-Denny Stadium. If, if it's a game in which you know Tua is needed for, for all four quarters, maybe there's something package-wise that Alabama does offensively with Jalen, although coming off that ankle, that would seem less likely than – you know, back around midseason when we saw that. But it was good. You know, three of four, 31 yards, had the touchdown pass uh, to Devontae Smith. I thought quarterback play in general was just really, really good. Tua Tonga-Vailoa uh, sets a new UA mark for touchdown passes in a season with 31, um, surpassing A.J. McCarron's 30 from 2012. So, you know, quarterback play was was fine. Um you know, there, there's still some stretches of inconsistency up front. I thought Alabama did a pretty good job. I mean, by the by the third quarter or so, you were playing with two backup guards with your first team offense because right. Alex Leatherwood went out and Joshua Casher comes in. So, averaged 8.3 yards per carry. Didn't give up a sack. Uh, thought it was a pretty good day for the guys up front too, as it should have been. Yeah. Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com moves on. Travis, we'll take a quick look at the Alabama uh, defense against the Citadel. We touched on it a little bit already as a group, but individually, anybody stand out to you as as far as uh, at least playing the kind of assignment football that's got to be executed defensively in order to deal with this option? Usually the busted assignment is what uh, kind of dooms these uh, teams against these triple option offenses. Uh I thought LeBron Ray played some good football for Alabama. Uh, I thought Jennings, obviously, Jennings had 11 stops. He was obviously around the ball a heck of a lot. But I thought his recognition uh, and that kind of thing was was on point, which is what you've got to have not from two but from seven against that offense. Yeah, I thought the defensive front in general did what they had to do. Um, And and the inside linebackers. I I would include Mac Wilson and – uh, Dylan Moses in that, although Moses had you know, a pretty bad penalty there uh, later in the second quarter for an unsportsmanlike conduct that really helped the Citadel get in position to kick that tying field goal there in the second quarter. But 
you know, for those guys, it really started with trying to eliminate the dive play as the first part of the triple option, then help out on the quarterback. Uh, and, and when you look at the numbers for the Citadel's B-back, Lorenzo Ward, a, a UA legacy, by the way, his father, Lorenzo Whammy Ward, uh, right now the interim head coach up at the University of Louisville, Lorenzo Ward had 10 carries for 27 yards. That's the fullback in that offense. Brandon Rainey, the quarterback, had 79 yards, but averaged a little over three yards per carry. So between the quarterback and that fullback, I thought the interior of the Alabama defense uh, did some pretty good things. So I, I think, you know, you got the option play to where you wanted it for the most part, Chase. But again, the pitch on a couple of different occasions. They busted contained. Dante Smith, yeah, the left side. And it, I'm not sure if it was Savion Smith or one of the safeties. Um, and, and maybe even Anthony Jennings got caught inside a little bit on a third and short. Uh, it's tough to tell based on how they were playing it. Uh, but but the perimeter, uh, the, 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 the corner slash safeties, you know, uh, they didn't always run the alley, I guess you could say, the way you would like them to. Ayabi Anoma, uh, and a little bit of drama with him, I guess, toward yeah. the end of the game, comes off the field and appeared to be getting a little bit of a talking to from uh, Jennings and Quinn and Williams, uh, two of the leaders in that front seven. Thought that was interesting. Not sure what that was all about, but not something particularly uncommon, I guess, uh, uh, in college football. Just something that maybe doesn't always get caught on camera. It doesn't. Josh McMillan had one, too. So, when you combine those two with the one that Dylan Moses got late in the second quarter, uh, that's not going to be a fun film sesh um, for those guys, uh, either uh, on Sunday night or into Monday. But, you know, that's kind of what happens when you get late in games and you start getting young guys and second teamers out there. It's a little chippy. Um, but Alabama can definitely clean some things up from a penalty standpoint. Lester Cotton had a hold that took away, I want to say, an 18-yard completion to to Irv Smith Jr. there. Uh, the offense eventually overcame it anyway, but, you know, those are the kind of things that you just can't have moving forward. I mean, it's it's championship time moving forward for this football team, and and, and what we saw were a couple of penalties that, that have to go away from this point forward. Talking Tide podcast moves on with a quick uh, thanks to some sponsors that help Keep us on the air, starting with North River Dental Associates. For all your family's dental needs, go to Dr. Jack Smalley at North River. They can get you taken care of in so many ways. Routine cleanings, if it's an advanced implant treatment that you need, if you need some wisdom teeth out, uh, whatever the case may be, uh, they take care of it all over there quickly, professionally, thoroughly. Uh, it's a caring staff. It's a comfortable, state-of-the-art office. The phone number is 752-3506. You can go to NorthRiverDentist.com on the web for an appointment as well. It's North River Dental Associates. Also want to thank Urban Cookhouse. Buy local, eat urban. Uh, 1490 North Bank Parkway off Rice Mine Road. Urban Cookhouse, of course. Uh, fire to table fire to farm to table farm to fire to table there we go farm to fire to table uh they're using those big green egg smokers over there and doing a super job with all kinds of sandwiches and fare also got a thanksgiving slash holiday special to let you know about for 95 dollars feeding 8 to 12 people you can get three pounds of that awesome thick sliced smoked turkey from urban 
cookhouse. Uh, it comes with a couple of sides uh, and uh, a bunch of those orange rolls as well. $95, 8 to 12 people. It's going on for the rest of the calendar year, so right through New Year's, anything you're hosting, uh, keep Vince Hunter and his staff in mind. The phone number over there, 561-6999. If you are in need of legal assistance, I'm going to give you a phone number right now to call. It's 205-759-1554. That's going to put you in touch with Michael Carty and John Lloyd, a pair of Tuscaloosa-based attorneys who have a combined legal experience of more than 60 years. That's right, 60-plus years between Mike Carty and John Lloyd at Carty and Lloyd, Attorneys at Law. You can check out their website as well if you'd like more information on this dynamic legal duo. Check them out, www.cartyloydlaw.com. That's www com Again, locally based, but have experience around the state of Alabama and the United States since 1992. Give them a call right now, 205-759-1554, com. Also going to tell you about Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa, where the winter event for Mercedes-Benz is underway they're out there at 3200 Skyland Boulevard East. The very best selection of automobiles, either new or certified pre-owned. You're going to find them right there at Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa. Another website you need to check out right now at MercedesOfTuscaloosa.com. The entire inventory that sits on the lot today available to you. Look at them all right now at www.MercedesOfTuscaloosa.com. Go there first and then make your way to 3200 Skyland Boulevard East for the very best in selection, sales, and service after the sale. It is Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa. Talking Tide podcast continues now at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and the TuneIn app as well. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you. We're going to take a quick look at the Southeastern Conference, probably quicker than usual uh, given the slate that uh, it was in Week 12. Travis, we talked about it last week. Um not a lot of great games nationwide, though. It wasn't just the SEC, that's for sure. It was probably the most uh, uh, unexciting day of college football I can I can remember in some time. But uh, Missouri putting a knot on Tennessee's dome, uh, fifty to seventeen. I guess you got to start there. Uh, I, it looked to me like Tennessee was starting to play some better football down the stretch here, Travis, and 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 then uh, and then this knot comes up. Yeah, Jared Guarantano, starting quarterback for Tennessee, went out early uh, in this one. But that doesn't explain the lines of scrimmage being dominated in a way like they were uh, by the Missouri Tigers. Uh, you had uh, Larry Roundtree the third, the Missouri running back with 135 rushing yards on 26 carries. Meanwhile, Tennessee, once again, struggles to run the football offensively. Missouri didn't have as much of a problem with that. Keller Christ, your boy, came in off the bench for the injured Jared Quarantano. Um, hit some big plays, but also turned it over. A couple interceptions. Uh, threw for 173 yards on just 19 attempts. So that wasn't that wasn't all that bad. Um, but, but it seemed like, again, as much as we'll make out of the quarterback matchup with Drew Locke doing his thing and being efficient for Missouri with 257 yards and a couple of touchdowns without an interception, Tennessee's still not at a point. It, it, up front on either side of the ball um, where it can just hang in week in and week out. And, 
you know, Missouri may be a, a little bit better up front on both sides than, than a lot of people realize. Uh, Ole Miss falls to Vanderbilt 36-29 in overtime. Travis, that uh, one of the only other uh, SEC versus SEC games. You also had Mississippi State just blasting Arkansas. And, Arkansas's terrible. Yeah. I mean, good Lord. Talk about a start Good luck with that, Chad, Chad Morris. Morris. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're Kelly Bryant, why in the hell would you go to Arkansas? I mean, I know you can start there, but so what? Yeah. I mean, it, they're still three or four years away at Arkansas. I, I, you know, and it'll be interesting to see where Bryant lands, but no thanks if I'm Kelly Bryant. But, um, yeah, that old Miss Vanderbilt game, did you see that finish, Good Brad? Controversy. Missed it. Yeah, A.J. Brown. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, yeah, that it looked catch. like a it looked like a catch to me. I, I I missed the memo. I missed it. I guess that the college football catch rule is now the same as the NFL. I knew the NFL was, uh, you know, more drunk than than uh, you know, Jackie's on a Friday night. <laughs> but I didn't know that it was carrying over now into the into the college game. I thought the college game had had stayed the same, where you make the catch, you get two feet down, you land on your butt, plays over. Especially yeah. in the end zone, it's a catch. Yeah. But apparently now we have pretty much the NFL rule for a catch in college football. Just what we needed, right? Well, my my arms would have been up. That's all I can tell you about that play. <laughs> uh, they'd have been they'd have been up, and they wouldn't have come down. Uh, it, it, it was, I thought he had control and at the end of the day, uh, you know, I guess it, it, it was determined he did not heck of a play by him regardless though. Um, it's going to be, he's going to be a, a fun guy to watch, uh, on Sunday is that AJ Brown for sure. Uh, elsewhere in the, in the SEC, Travis, I guess nothing is pretty much blowouts left and right. Texas A&M knocking off UAB 41 to 20. That was supposed to be a game though. I mean, that was nine and one UAB chase. People were you know, talking were about gonna, that. They were yeah. going to make a statement. This yeah. was going to be a statement for the Blazers. <laughs> it was a statement. All right. Yeah. Um, it was a statement that CUSA isn't quite the SEC. Uh, in November, especially, so uh, no, so much for that statement, I guess. You wonder if Jimbo heard some of that, you know. But uh, <laughs> uh, A and M, yeah. uh, and it was wasn't even quite that close. I guess at one point it was forty one thirteen for for uh, most of the thirty four to seven at one point. So A and M had that thing in uh, in pretty good control. All right, uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us later this week uh, as we preview the Iron Bowl. Uh, Travis, Thanksgiving coming up for sure, uh, and uh, we'll uh, not sure where we'll drop that that preview pod, but uh, somewhere around uh, before before I guess Wednesday or Friday, the best bet, right? Yeah, I would think so. Can't do it on Thursday, although we might. I mean, might get a little stir crazy around yeah. Casa de Ryer and, <laughs> and sneak out and do a podcast real quick. Well, got you got all kinds of family. Yeah, actually, it's going to be a lot of fun. Got a lot of family, got a lot of friends coming in. So uh, really looking forward to the holiday. Hope everybody out there has a great one, too. Is the Egg Bowl on that night, too? Or is I it don't on the know weekend? if the Egg Bowl is. The Egg Bowl might be Thursday night. I, I guess we should. Uh, yeah. We should check on that. that might Maybe be. check on that. Yeah, we uh, uh, see and, and see what we can find out there. But I'll tell you what we do have on that Friday. We've got uh, what do we got? We've got Missouri, Arkansas on that Friday. But yeah, we do have the Egg Bowl. On it is on TV. Yeah, six thirty, six thirty p. So uh, 
Uh, Arkansas, Missouri on that Friday. You got Oklahoma, West Virginia on that Friday, too, yeah. of uh, Thanksgiving. So Who there knows? you go. Maybe we'll launch that pod with uh, some semi-live commentary on all the all the personal <laughs> fouls flying back and forth in the Egg Bowl. What's the over, before we go, over-under yeah. on personal fouls in the Egg Bowl this year, Travis? What do you got for it, me? It, involving just the players, I'll go with two and a half. If my man Steve Robertson somehow gets down on the sideline, it might go up. Might go up to about five and a half. That'll do it. Steve. Steve. Uh, That'll do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. We'll look forward to uh, the next one later this week. We'll be previewing Alabama and Auburn. Be sure to catch that. For Travis Dreyer, I'm Chase Goodbread. We'll talk to you next time.